Welcome to Back Markers with Kia and Hunt, episode 5, the slowest motorsport podcast in the world. Probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been living up to that so far, I would say. <laughs> it's now Tuesday. <laughs> We're a little bit late. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little yeah. Bit. Blame Luna. Um, Kieran was topping up his tan and shaving the beard, so it took a long time. It did. Mm. It did. Letting the side down, jetting yeah. off to the other side of the world. Mm. And ironically, the next race after this one, <laughs> do that. we have I a special knew. guest for this evening. <laughs> to um, be fair, the cat has better opinions than us, to be honest. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah 100%. Just let her do it. Yeah. Just let her do it. Much more efficient, saves us a job, and the views Obviously. go up tenfold. I yeah, mean, who doesn't on, like it's no brainer, really. Correct. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know there's laws against that kind of thing, but you know, who's not up for that? <laughs> Where is this going? I'm really worried. It's gone a little bit off piste. <laughs> but don't, doesn't every single episode of this go off piste at some point? Yeah, I mean, they usually it, do. It, it shows personality. <laughs> And, yeah, and, at the very least. <laughs> how your brain works. Our. Hey, I was not work. part of that at all. Hmm. At all. You introduced said pussy, so um. She's right know, here. It was teeing it up. Oh, she is right. Of course, you're gonna lie there, aren't you? Okay. Don't <laughs> don't put your paws on my keyboard. You get me? <laughs> We're going to get She's all sorts of people joining this podcast now. <laughs> She's literally <laughs> And there. sending invites left, right and centre. <laughs> oh. Right. So, believe it or not, we are actually here to talk about Formula One. Yeah. We're for round two at Jeddah in Saudi all Arabia. Right. Big power circuit. Big, mm. big power circuit. Shall we, shall we start with a little bit of news? Yes, let's do the news. Yeah, let's do the news. We've not taken that from anyone or any show. No, definitely not going to get cancelled. No, 100% no. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, they would get cancelled before we would. Um, Yeah. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some quite interesting things that happened during the Grand Prix weekend. One, this is a serious one, Austria has been extended by four years, which yes, I'm quite pleased result. about, because that is a very Definitely. good track. Very good track. It is. Right smack bang in the middle of Europe. <laughs> is it in the middle of Europe? I'm literally just guessing. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It kind no, of yeah, is, kind of. It, it yeah. is. It's yeah. accessible, yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic track as well. I mean, mm. overtaking the plenty probably helped by the fact there's what three drs zones but still i mean it's a really good track it's challenging it's it's demanding oh, yeah. so that's what you want and red bull will be pleased obviously oh yeah it's one of those that while red bull are in existence austria will be on the calendar but it's good that yeah. that's actually confirmed you know yeah because i think this was their last year that they had confirmed they hadn't figured something out yet so it's mm. good to see that they've gone Especially when you've got like tracks like Miami and stuff that are confirmed for a good few years. 
it's good to see that you know one that's been on the calendar for a long time that fans love um it's also a little cheaper to go there as well mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot good. more affordable in the middle of europe yeah, yeah definitely so it's good to see that um a track like that is going to be around for a while we can all dress in our orange and be mclaren fans there dungarees <laughs> 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 oh it's gonna be wicked yeah i mean it's one of those that needs to be on the calendar i think it's become one of those classic circuits and it was a classic circuit to be fair yeah. hosting in the 80s and 90s so it's always been a been a, a feature on the calendar and i'm glad that it's still gonna be that way because uh i think a lot of people it, it's sort of underrated i think um it used to get a lot of criticism but for whatever reason it's just got better each yeah. year that's the way with some tracks. Some, you know, they bring in new regulations. Some tracks get better. Some tracks get worse. And Austria was one of those that got better, I yeah. reckon. There are some tracks that I question why they're on the calendar because I don't think mm. they're particularly good tracks. And Austria was not really a track that I've ever questioned. Um, no. So, yeah, very, very good to see. More mm. years at Austria. A total yes, will love that. Total will love that. Um, <laughs> he will, which is ironic, <laughs> but he will. <laughs> um, and the the thing that made me laugh most, um, apart from the one thing you're going to talk about later, um, during the race weekend was the no bikes on the track walk. <laughs> I never knew that Lance Stroll had that more that much of like a control over the FIA after his little bike accident. Now all drivers cannot drive cannot ride a bike on the track. Like nothing on two wheels. They're not allowed. It's I've always I got I can't what, nineties they were doing bikes on track walks. And now all of a sudden, yeah. no. It's dangerous. No. Now it's too late. <laughs> Now that's enough. We're putting our foot down. The risk is too high. It's like, yeah, you're oh. just reacting to that one incident very recently. Why? And going, well, the risk is now unacceptable. It's like, what has actually changed other than Stroll having an accident not on a track? Yeah, it had nothing to do with the, the weekend. And then they're no. going to say it's nothing to do with his accident, but it's it's weird that it's sort of happened. It's convenient. Yes. It's very convenient, it's convenient timing. Yeah. Definitely. It's quite funny. <laughs> it was really, really funny. Just pushing um, it now, aren't they? Yeah, just a bit. As um I was listening to um Brake and Blake and uh, Dan's podcast. Um mm. if we were allowed to link stuff on YouTube I would link it, but I'm sure everyone is aware. Um <clears throat> of um Dan and, and Blake's podcast. Um, he's a, he was a strategist for Red Bull and he was saying about what they do on these track walks and he was saying like the only thing that, you know, it's the only time that we really get away from everything where it's just us and the drivers and a couple of mm. mechanics and all we talk about is what we're having for dinner. <laughs> I, like, I literally rewound it. I was like, nah, come on. They're looking at like, where you can make up some time on this apex, how much you, you can take of that. Nah, I'm going to have sausage and chips for dinner. Oh, that's It's all a joke, nice. isn't it? 
It's all a joke. It's all a front, frankly. You know, the stuff for Sky Sports, and you'll see them all talking about where the apex is and mm, where the grip is. It's all, it's all it's a lies. front Just... for their dietary habits, <sighs> frankly. You know, <clears throat> you know it, next they'll be talking about you know, the type of rims that they're getting put on their car next. Oh, damn, you know, that's disgusting. They're not actually talking about what matters that no. as you said it's a it's a breather from the melee yeah in the garage and they're like we're taking we're making full use of this and not really doing anything productive <laughs> i just can't believe that's what they do <laughs> it's just, i was like god i'd love to do that oh what are we going to be talking about what am i having for dinner bugger off easy what a waste yeah. of my time. It's not they don't get paid very much either, I I assume. And then oh, go around wandering around the track chatting about dinner. I'd like to think it'd be a bit more glamorous than sausage and chips, however, but possibly. You know, they might like the comfort. Mm, you, know. you don't know. You don't know. Gourmet triple cooked chips and Cumberland sausage, maybe. I don't I'm know. Just to triple glamorize chips. it a bit. Triple cooked chips. Have you seen that? They're burnt. <laughs> They're burnt chips. Don't where's there's no potato. They're all burnt. Yeah, they f you you fry it and then you fry the coat in and then you fry it again. It's like oh, I'm not, well, no. <laughs> it's just they got extra extra crispy. It's like yeah, all right, <laughs> all right, love. <laughs> so, so. I have no chip left, thanks. <laughs> but enough of the Gordon Ramsay within me. <laughs> We've become a cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is how chips should be cooked. Right, yes. For the next hour, this talking how about chips. It's going to be a great podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Angela Cullen, she's, she's, it's not stepped down, but she's parted ways with Mercedes and Lewis, which is, you know, apparently it's been on the cards for a while and she's just been there sort of, you know, swapping over to the new mm. trainer and stuff. But they've always had a really, really close relationship. So it was kind of a bit, absolutely, you know, a bit like, okay, maybe it's, I don't know if it's her decision. I don't know if it's, you know, Lewis, Mercedes, whatever. They've not been very open about that. But I can see where, you know, seven years of being on the track. Um, it's quite common that um, trainers and drivers will, will switch. Sometimes they move with the driver, sometimes they don't. But she's been a, a massively consistent part in Lewis's time, especially in Mercedes, it, it just shocked me that she wasn't continuing on, really. Yeah, I think, you know, if, you know, Toto's obviously been a really consistent figure for Lewis at the head of the team leading things, but in terms of having someone right there by your side all the time as a shoulder to lean on, literally, mm. um, Alan, Angela was that person. So they will have had Alan, a very. I'm going to hit you. Alan. <laughs> Alan Cullen. <laughs> That's the new trainer. <laughs> oh god. Right, back to Karen. <laughs> what is Kaza? Um Kaza. No, uh, <laughs> Angela was so important, I think, to yeah. his um consistency, frankly, and sort of extracting the most out of out of him. Because, you know, when you've got someone you can lean on that much, you can relax. You're not having to think about anything else other than the objective, which is to put that car as close to the front as you can. And throughout most of the time that they were in this relationship, he was trying to put it on pole. 
and usually mm. had a good shot at it. So I think he was. He, they both benefit an awful lot out of this. And what is a real shame in the aftermath of that decision is how much has been going around in terms of oh, well, why was it? What you know, the timing's really weird. Mm. Why have they decided to split it off now? But as you said, maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes, and it's only just managed to fall into place so that she can get. She, she could just be doing. Now, right? I, I think what she's doing is she's probably doing the crossover point for his new mm-hmm. trainer. I mean, who knows Lewis better than Angela, and what he needs right. from a trainer? That trainer's going to need to know Lewis's diet, his routine, his workouts, and everything. So it could be that, mm-hmm. like, there is rumours that it it was in motion early last year. But it's just taken time. I mean, I wouldn't drop Angela towards the end of a season. I would look to bring her in and help the new trainer so he knows what he's doing or she knows what she's doing and then move on. It just so happens to be that she's probably fulfilled that and now it's time to move on for her, you know? Possibly. Yeah. Greener pastures, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's like, you know, if you don't need to linger any longer then so be it and there might have been a slightly longer transition i expect there would have been stuff going on uh, uh through the winter um but they've got mm. to the new season and gone look there's some little things we still need to finalize before i disappear um and maybe there was still an element of you know i don't want to go yet as well because <laughs> they were they were so know. close right they they yeah. still are and they will be for life i think it's that kind of relationship right where they're just, it's not gonna... too much. but lewis and seb yeah, they're just not. They're not going to fall out ever. There's not going to be a no. point where they're not going to make contact anymore. When you've known someone that long, you don't forget. No. So, no, I mean, she was an integral part of his development, and I would say, I, I suspect he would also say that, um, you know, you know, the feelings mutual has benefited each mm. of them through through doing this. So, um, I think she's to be commended really for the amount of commitment she sort of gave to the team. I know she's probably getting paid very well for her services yeah. however there's a passion involved in a job like that as well and you have to stick it out through thick and thin and yeah. uh and she did so you know in the, at the highest level of motorsport at the highest and the highest level within that particular um sport itself in formula mm. one yeah. she was she nailed it she yeah, absolutely nailed absolutely. it so i think she'd be commended yeah and she's going to be really missed I think she's a, mm-hmm. a a wonderful woman, wonderful character, and very good at her job. That's so absolutely big boots to fill. Definitely, Sauce. but there is yeah, and we know how much Lewis finds himself in the on the front pages anyway. So yeah. therefore, she also by default finds herself on the front pages as well. And the point with that is that how much do we hear? Because there's a lot of criticism about oh the circumstances behind the scenes, what was going on. It's like do we know? all the ins and outs of other drivers and their relationship with their physio. No. Not very often. And like and I said, it switches all the time. Like, they don't yeah, keep totally. always a trainer, especially if they move team. Normally the trainer will stay with the team. They're, they're employed by a, a company that, that I think Angela works for and a couple of the other trainers do. And, you know, sometimes they just switch up and go to a different driver. I'm not sure if Pierre's uh, trainer at the moment was for another driver. I can't remember. I know mm. Kevin changed his trainer. Jensen used to have Mikey. Um, mm-hmm. he was he was with him for a long time, but he wasn't with him the whole entire part of his career. So, you know, it is quite a normal thing. It's just that she had such a part in his journey because he included her in a lot. 
as well. Yes. It was, you don't normally see the trainer very much. You don't normally see that part of them. But he was so, you know, this is Angela and she's a massive part of Team LH44 and why I'm here, mm. you know. Yeah. So. He acknowledged her on numerous occasions, whether that was on social media or publicly or, you know, just anything, even in interviews and stuff. There were so many occasions where he vocally would, like, put her on the pedestal and said, look, this is the reason why I'm, it's one of the key reasons why I'm so successful at what I do mm. at this level, because I've got such a, uh, such a good support network in place that I can always lean on and rely on when I'm not mm. doing too great. There's someone there I can sort of vent to or just, you know, offload a bit. And that way I'm sort of always at my peak. And, you know, yeah. it, it's as much a mental battle as it is a physical battle. So if you've got someone you can rely on like that, then you're already halfway there in terms mm-hmm. of extracting the maximum out of out of the car that you can. So she was absolutely integral for that. And as mm-hmm. I say, should be commended endlessly as yeah. a prime case study in how to succeed as a physio in a very yeah. demanding sport. Yeah, 100%. Uh, mm. You will definitely be missed, Angela. Um, mm. Right. Race weekend. Right. Onwards to Jeddah. Onwards to Jeddah. Should we do what we normally do? Go through the teams, talk about their weekend and race and so forth and do that? We've not yeah, actually so. planned this, have we? We've just gone to know. <laughs> Yeah, but do backmarkers ever plan their races? Or do no. they just go, we're going to be at the back anyway. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We'll just wing it and have fun in the process, okay. maybe. <laughs> well, start the top Red Bull again. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, crazy amounts of dominance there. It's insane how far ahead they are. It's a joke. A handful of laps and Verstappen's <laughs> in the top 10 and then the top six. And you're like, okay, great. Great. <laughs> this car is absolutely ridiculous in terms of pace. Yeah. It's just so, it must be so confidence inspiring being able to just push that car and know it will stick. There is mm. no complaints from it whatsoever. Wow. There's some very, very fast corners here. Max had issues in quali. His drive shaft. True. Very true. So they're not completely bulletproof, as I don't think any of the teams are. It's very difficult. We're only in the second year of these um, generation of cars. Mm. So, you know, things will happen. But that w- I was quite shocked. I wouldn't have thought there would have been problems for Red Bull because they do look pretty bulletproof. Um, and then... The race towards the end for Max, he felt that something was wrong. Um, I mean, he went on to put Try. the fastest lap in, so I don't know what was wrong. <laughs> but no. it, was, it was a bit like, you sure, love? Are you all right? But sure? yeah, that was definitely... It reminds, me, it reminds me of Lewis during his period of dominance. And you'd hear these random radio messages coming up saying, oh, I'm hearing this weird knocking noise in the car. Yeah. Or there's a weird vibration, and they look at it. And go, oh, no, oh, look at it. Look, my tires have gone. It, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, in the worst case, and then the team goes away and looks at it, and then you hear nothing else. And obviously, you know the answer was, "Don't worry it's about fine. it. It's yeah. nothing. It's okay." Yeah. But this is it. When you're that dominant in the car, 
and you understand the car that well, you'll pick up on every little detail and you think, oh, is that that bad? Is that is that okay? Is that mm. expected? And, you know, they've obviously got on top of this car because mm. they can go to that level of detail where there's even the slightest noise. Right, that's something that needs to be investigated. Um, but obviously the car was absolutely fine on race day <laughs> and made up for all of that um strife in qualifying with a 15th to second yeah absolutely mm. insane and a worthy driver of the day at that yeah and perez had a good race no he lost that in the beginning to alonso um and we'll, we'll go on to alonso and all his drama soon um <laughs> but perez was on average a good half a second faster than alonso and yeah. um on this <laughs> In quali, they were like on average two miles an hour advantage on the straight they had. I mean, I know that only sounds small, but in F1 terms, oh, that's, that's absolutely huge. Monumental, yeah. Like, how have they done that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The level of Adrian development Dewey. they've gone through in the winter. Yeah. Genius. He's a Absolute genius. Absolute genius. Mm. He just keeps finding it. You think... God, they're really dominant. They'll probably find a, like another quarter of a second next season, and then it's like, in this case, it's two hundred two two mile an hour faster than any other mm-hmm. team on the grid. And you think, I mean, who's gonna have an answer for that? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> no. And the next best contender, as it looks at the moment, is Aston Martin. I mean, yeah. I just find this absolutely extraordinary. This situation, really, and. You know, obviously we were talking about it last week about oh, it's a power track. Who's going to hold up in those kind of, you know, those demands on the engine? And well, yeah, there was indications that Red Bull might not, but on yeah. race days where it matters, and they pulled it up. So they were fine, absolutely mm. fine. And they've got the pace that if they do have these issues like we saw, they can just power through the field. Um, yeah. I, I right. know, like, because Charles was behind him, wasn't he? But Charles had to go on softs. To be able to power yeah. up the field where Max didn't need to do that. And that just shows mm. how far ahead they are of Ferrari in terms of pace. It's just, I just don't know who can catch up with them. I know with two races in, I know it's very early, mm. but the only team that looks like they're... The team that's closest to them on pace is Aston Martin. And it they're is. new. They're new to this. Yeah. They're new to being a front team. So that yeah. worries me in a sense that have they got the ability to keep updating the car because they're already playing second fiddle, they're already playing catch up. So have they got what they need within the team? Have they got everything in place that means that they can somehow mm. keep that up throughout the season? Are we going to have like a brawn? season where Braun were incredible at the beginning but they dropped off because they couldn't develop the car right so absolutely i think it is like that isn't it because Mm. there's so many teams that maybe midfield or back market that make these big gains at the start of the season but they don't have the capacity to make the development through the season yeah and they sort of stagnate or even fall back from where they were i've seen it with Haas. Last season, I think Aston, uh, not Aston, Alfa Romeo had it last yeah. season where they made these big jump forward 
but then slipped back a bit through the season. Mm. And it's like that capacity to develop through the season wasn't quite there, despite that big jump through the winter. And there's obviously that fear now, yeah, potentially, that Aston Martin may not be able to keep up that level of development to maintain their position or even start closing in on the top top team of, of Red Bull. So it's 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 a good question. I mean, it's going to depend on what's going on internally, uh, what kind of budget they're putting into development for this season, because they you know the budget may be stretched a bit. You know they've got to mm-hmm. try and pull that money in and place it right, and they're still probably learning that to some extent. The extra wind tunnel time might help um, yeah. in terms of getting the car where they want it. So that would be fascinating because if anything, the grid has closed up. And it's given teams mm. like Aston the opportunity to fight near the front. And they've started capitalising on that straight away, frankly. Yeah, definitely. They didn't have a a particularly bad... Well, Stroll didn't have a, the best weekend because he DNF'd. No. Um, that safety car was stupid. I right. go, like, what are you doing, bruh? Like, car was I, out of the way. Yeah, the car was totally out of the way. He was in front of a tractor as well. He was down... They could have just pushed it away, and they said that t- the the sensors triggered it. Yeah, they had a load of cameras mm. that showed that he was nowhere near. I mean, did it mix things up a little bit? Yeah, but the the point is, is that the safety car should only be brought out when necessary, and Absolutely. that was not necessary whatsoever. Um, no, and we've seen it previously where there's been a car that's more exposed than that, and they've left mm. it under the SE. So yeah. if we're talking about consistency again, there's nothing consistent about that decision because again, no. they're not able to, you know, it's not, there's no clear cut uh, guidelines on this clearly because it's subjective in every case. So, oh, maybe we need a safety car. Maybe we can leave it under virtual. In this case, they went down the route of saying, well, a safety car is necessary. But again, yeah, they said a sensor, trying to find that The sensor was triggering it. That's why they go off like a sensor system. Uh, they yeah. do at Jeddah anyway, and it mm. was that that was that was doing it. Even I, I don't know why they can't override that and just say, "Well, no, we don't need that." A virtual safety car was more than enough. And like we had yep. an incident last year, didn't we, where Pierre Gasly, I know Pierre, nearly got himself into an accident. I can't remember what race it was, where there was a virtual safety car. And there was a car just on the track. There was a tractor, wasn't there? Mm. Oh, I can't remember what yeah. it was. And it, yeah, Pierre was going too fast. I'm sure it was Pierre, but. That should have been a safety car, and it wasn't. It was a virtual safety car. It's just so inconsistent, and it's the safety of the drivers. I mean, yeah. at Jeddah, it was fine. It, no, no safety um, worries there, but in situations where it could be, it's like, can you trust that you know the, the stewards, the FIA, are going to make the right decision? That's what really concerns me. It just shows that they're not, they're not all there, considering there's quite a few of them now. They're just not. Yeah, it's just no. lacking that consistency. It really is. And it it's whether, you know, yeah, they've overcompensated on this case. So they've they've gone uh, too safe, yeah. frankly. Um, which, from a, obviously a safety point of view, no complaints. The drivers are obviously really safe under this, this circumstance. But then there's other questions brought in. There's other competing goals there. The the com- competitiveness, the the sportsmanship and things like that. And it's like, you know, there's the push and pull of making these kinds of decisions. And it, it's a fascinating one. 
I mean, yeah, they have the sensor, but they also have the camera views as well. You know, yeah, they can verify it, right? Get. They can they see, could see. Where the car is. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, we've got this sensor going off, but look where the car is. Surely mm. the common sense thing is to leave this under VSC. But the thing is, as well, is that they're put on us on the spot in terms of we need to make a decision now. And if we've got instant data coming from the sensor, we need to use that because if we're spending too long looking for, it's like VAR, spending too long looking at camera views, people are getting impatient and we might run out of time. We might lose our window, basically. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's a tricky one to call, but obviously in hindsight, it's one of those where, you know, obviously a safety car was overkill because yeah. frankly, where the car was positioned, there wasn't any other threat. Um, <laughs> especially when you're under the vsc delta time you're basically going under a safety car anyway so i mean there wasn't much in the way of threat to to the car as well the runoff as well yeah. there's a big runoff area so there wasn't any danger i don't think not really nothing nothing meaningful so but i mean from stroll's perspective such a shame because he had that amazing overtake oh, that at the beginning insane. of the race on science. He had literally only just broke his wrist recently and he's oh. pulling moves like that around a Ferrari. Beautiful. Spectacular. Beautiful. And I'm glad to see that he's because he, he had a bit of an iffy season last year. He wasn't particularly mm -hmm. good. I think maybe the stress of being Vettel, Vettel's teammate, was just a bit like, <laughs> oh my right. god. And now this year he's got Alonso, which I would say was more stress. Um but right. he's had that time <laughs> of being a teammate to a world champion i think to just digest and go mm. look my dad owns this team i'm good it doesn't matter if i come last i'm always gonna have a drive it's true <laughs> sorry it's true. yeah but it, it now just releases that pressure i think they've got a car mm -hmm. that can perform and he doesn't have to perform to alonso standards he just has to perform right behind him and it seems like he can do that. And I do think that, you know, once he has recovered entirely from his, his wrist, because he's not recovered yet fully, no. it, it can consistent three, third and fourth in the races. I, I can't see Merck and Ferrari challenging. I really can't. So you know, on a good day, if Alonso, you know, has a bit of a nap mid-race because he's so old, apparently, um, Stroll <laughs> right. could just... Straight through. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> catch Literally catch him napping. Yeah. Um, because because what was interesting was right at the beginning of the race, I was watching the gaps, and Alonso was staying with Perez in terms of DRS. Yeah, within he was. seven he was or eight attempts. Yeah. Yeah, and Russell mm -hmm. was dropping back. Yeah. Which again, absolutely fascinating. You had Russell, Stroll, and Sainz in this freeway battle and then everyone else buying like Ocon and all that. Mm. But then those three were together, but they were all falling away from Alonso who was staying with the Red Bull. Yeah. Which, Insane. you know, you look at that and you go, with Stroll, you know, without Stroll's reliability, he's probably going to find his way past Russell as well. Mm. And that basically puts him in a position of, as you said, third and fourth. So it's effectively two by two through most of yeah. the field. And I think it would have been the same thing again had it not been for this this reliability issue, which I'm not entirely sure what that was, because they apparently there's a little know. puff of smoke, so maybe it was internal, but I'm not sure exactly what it was. No, I tried um, to do I tried to find out today and there's nothing there unless I've missed something, yeah. by all means. If you're in the comment section on YouTube and you know what happened to Stroll, let us know. 
because I don't, I can't find anything about it. Nothing. No, I think they're probably still investigating it, but possibly. Yeah, it might be one of those that's really elusive. It could be one little component that's failed, and it means nothing else can work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a shame though, because otherwise that would have been a that would have been a probably a fourth place. Yeah, at the very least. I think. So uh, I doubt too, he would have yeah. caught Alonso because of being behind <laughs> Russell for so long. But who knows? Who knows? It would have changed that entire race because. You know, you'd have had Alonso and Stroll closer together when the safety car was called, and how do you split them up, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, there's there's all sorts of, like, push and pull factors going on there. But um, coming back to that safety car, obviously, um, a big talking point being, obviously, Alonso coming into the pit lane. Um, is ha- having had the five-second penalty for an incorrect starting position, um, wanted to get that served but according to the FIA didn't do it correctly so let's just go we'll continue the conversation of the inconsistency with FIA shall we because <laughs> <laughs> not long ago we're just talking about it we'll carry on yeah. with it I'll come at this from a point that I've been watching Formula 1 from memory I've been watching it since I was a baby but from memory 93 so that's 30 years FIA have been inconsistent from those days like Mm -hmm. they have always had a problem with inconsistency but this he was out of place wasn't he on the grid he was over to the the right i think he was i'm not sure he was over he wasn't he hadn't gone across the white line um he hadn't gained an advantage but he wasn't lined up um yeah, he a was over the of... white line on the left side, yeah. Oh, was just it left? A bit right. too wide, yeah. Just a bit, just, he wasn't outside the box, though. He was just no. sort of over the edge of the line, yeah. A bit over it. But there were also mm. other cars, if you actually look at the starting grid, there were other cars that were just a little bit off as well. But Alonso arguably was off a little bit more. So, okay, yeah. five-second penalty. Let's go. Nowhere in the <laughs> rule book does it say that a jack or items cannot be touching the car during the penalty okay right so i was confused as to why that was even being looked at now i know that teams can't go to the stewards now and say he's just done this and she's just done that they they can't do that anymore they're not allowed to do that so that's why george and his engineer were going back and forth and talking about this but there is a rule in the rule book that states, is it after 25 minutes? I think it's 25 minutes or 30 minutes. If a decision isn't made, then they cannot enforce anything. I mean, I'm going to kick you. Sorry. I'm not going to kick her. But she's... In... <laughs> there is... Um... Intruder alert. <laughs> intruder. Intruder alert. Luna, bug off. Um, if... I think it's 25 minutes. If they haven't come to a decision within 25 mm. minutes, then they cannot enforce anything. There was a similar yeah. situation with Michael Schumacher a few years ago in which they took it further and got it reinstated for him because it was 30-odd minutes or something. But that is still in the rule book. So lap 19 is when Alonso pitted and apparently broke the rules. And they left it until after the podium celebration to then enforce a 10-second penalty. Five seconds for not serving the penalty properly and then five seconds, which was for 
the original penalty enforcing that mm. which is ridiculous they had more than enough time to go over that there was continuous messages back and forth they knew that something was going on they honestly i was so shocked when he got that penalty i was like this this ain't right and again no. it's inconsistency have they not learned from abu dhabi when the world blew up because of what they did <laughs> like they just don't learn exactly. they don't learn no. not a bit not and a they've bit. even admitted it in the statement it was like you know we've looked over it and we haven't followed our own rules yeah. i've got this i've so got the even... statement but it's like a 20 minute long read <laughs> <laughs> but it is basically yeah it we actually didn't follow protocol so P3. It's it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. The the standards they're meant to be working to, and they can't even keep it consistent on a basic race penalty situation. Greatest motorsport in the world. Basics. This is British touring car. Probably. It was Harvey that put it on um, Twitter. Tom Harvey. He literally said, "British touring car have a better penalty system and a better stewarding." than formula one yeah it's insane how bad it is it is and they've got a brand new fan base in formula one as well yeah (laughs) the stewards room is so much better equipped in formula one because of the budget but then could you argue it's too complicated then because they keep (laughs) making so many mistakes btcc is a lot simpler Oh, or just God. read it. Be just prepared. Read it. Yeah, you could have people dedicated <laughs> to a certain section so they absolutely know for sure, or just get everybody to understand it before they start. That'd probably be the better way to do it. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you're a steward, you probably need to know your rules. Mm. Or good luck assessing any incident. They are just um, throwing out penalties without even knowing the rule book. They don't know it, and it's hard to know. It's a very big rule book. But surely mm-hmm. when you're in, enforcing a penalty or going to enforce a penalty, you should be looking at that rule and seeing what right. they have broken. Like, it's a given. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why that rule is in there in the first place in terms of, you know, respond, enforcing within 25 minutes so that it doesn't linger. Yeah. So that they can get decisions made rapidly. Well, not rapidly, because you need to make the right call. But just efficiently, right? Just get yeah. it moving, get these decisions made. And if they want to appeal, they can appeal. Yeah. But here's the decision. Here's how it's working, right? Just let's get it done. So the fact that they've completely disregarded that, because that's a pretty fundamental part of it. You talk about mm. the structure of the stewarding system there. And that's a key part of it. Because if they hadn't admitted their mistake here, how often was that going to happen where they keep you know not even adhering to their own rules mm. it, it could have you know it's one of those I mean, how many times is it going to take before they learn um i mean they don't have but... the same stewards do they at every race and i think no. they had different stewards that was at bahrain compared to jeddah because bahrain they made a much quicker um penalty to walk on they did it a lot quicker so they, i'm guessing that they had different people there they do have like four people now don't they who 
deal with all the penalty system and because it used to be the you know Michael Massey and he was the the decider he was the one that mm. decided who got you know the penalties now there's four of them apparently that can assess the situation so one person could be given that role as okay we've had this we've heard this on the radio can you look at this and see if that person needs a penalty there's just it there's no room for error in formula one and, and like i said i hate to bring it up again but abu dhabi in 2021 should have been the biggest eye-opener that right. they are going to lose so much if they don't get this right they've got so many eyes on them it's just it needs to be sorted now we need consistency Absolutely. it's just no room now it's not fair no you know not at all not at all and they they've got a reputation that they've got to uphold and I say a reputation to uphold. They've also got a reputation to recover as well. Yeah. Because of the that's damage I mean. that's already been done in the past. Yeah. And it takes minutes to lose trust, but years mm. to regain it. And yeah. this was the opportunity to prove the changes we've made have been beneficial to the sport. That is an indication that it hasn't been beneficial for the sport. And people will go, here we go again. Yeah. Here we go again seen it all before nothing's changed so why should we bother yeah and that's the problem you'll get people who have given it a second chance going forget it yeah i'm not that bothered because mm. am i just going to be led to believe that we are going to change again you know how many times can you go okay i'll give you another chance eventually people's no. patience will run out so you've got to set that standard and maintain it all the way through otherwise yeah. you know what are people going to think it was interesting um i read that the viewership i expected this in germany when Vettel left um but their viewership has dipped a lot oh, and really? i can see that this year i can see that across the board i think we reached a height with the viewership and i think because of the dominance of red bull i'm sorry red bull fans i'm sorry but it does play a part <laughs> um i'd say if it was Merck, um and the fact that there's just so many inconsistencies you cannot trust that you're going to have a fair race in formula one anymore you you can't no. I, you just, I don't think so it's just not there that's huge no it's difficult to have faith in it yeah i mean i don't remember the last time i did have faith in it mind um it's, it's been a long time no. but recently in the last few years it's just gone downhill very very quickly for some of the decision making that's going on internally um you know 2021 was the peak obviously you know in terms of um how the sport was being portrayed and it's just somehow been allowed to they've been allowed to maintain this this standard again and it's just it's come on you need to learn from your mistakes you need to prove that you're learning and and demonstrate it but it's not happening for some reason no. it's, it's a real shame pinnacle of motorsport mm. prove it apparently much to do much to do um mercedes. mercedes god i don't know if i should talk about my <laughs> i've not told you have i i forgot i what's that i may have slightly upset team lh44 Again, oh no i might have annoyed them a little bit 
What did you do? Oh, <laughs> uh, I might have. Ba- Look, I baited them a little bit, right? But in my defence, right, it ties in with this weekend, right? So this weekend okay. at Merck, um, you know, George has got quite a bit of hate this weekend, and he's had it previously, especially last season. Um, but he got a lot. He got a lot of, um. A percentage, I'll say, because it's not all of, you know, Team LH44 that are, you know, rude. But he got a lot of, you know, he should have moved out the way. Mm. You know, and and they were worse than that. That was just sort of mild. And I may have responded to a stupid tweet with a stupid reply. Because the, (laughs) the tweet was just like, Lewis isn't battling his teammate. He's never battled his teammate. You know, Max doesn't battle his teammate. Vettel doesn't battle his didn't battle his teammate. Michael Schumacher didn't battle his teammate. I mean, I don't know what you were watching, love, but seriously, your main competitor when you're at the pinnacle of your sport is normally your teammate, isn't it? Right? Exactly. So I may have put something on the lines of he didn't beat Jensen. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, that may have caused a a few Lewis Hamilton fans to attack. You know, they they rounded up their allies and they they came on the and I, look, it, 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 I mean it was bait. It was bait. I know <laughs> That that is what we have as Jensen Button fans. We have that that oh, we score more points. <laughs> like, you know, we, we score more points right. than him. That is what we've got, right? And we, we just yeah. we just put it in the back pocket for stupid comments like that and just put it in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I put the stats up because I had to respond. By this point I'd already had two death threats. I thought I'm on a roll. Oh Let's go. Stop. <laughs> So I've put the stats. Yeah. Death threats tick. Yeah, got it. Done. So I put I put I put the stats up. And look, let's be honest, out of the three years, Lewis beat Jensen on two championships. He got Mm -hmm. ten wins compared to Jensen's eight. He massively outqualified him. I literally dobbed myself in it because I I mean it's quite funny. But I also did not leave out the fact that he scored more points than him overall. And I, I think that tweet got about twenty to 30,000 views. <laughs> and they just, I mean, they blessed them. They took the bait and they ran. You know what I mean? Oh, and it, it didn't matter if, I mean, did I really try and explain it to them? No, I did accidentally drop the George Russell stats from last year when George Russell outscored him as well. But, you know, I didn't do the Max Verstappen. I didn't bring that up. Or Alonso. I didn't do it. I didn't drop the nuclear bomb. I didn't drop the Nico. I did did not do that at all. But, yeah, they (laughs) they came for me today. That's what she said. They were were after me. (laughs) By the the end of it, (laughs) I've had messages like, Jesus Christ, you're not going to make this. You're not going to make it alive out of it. I don't think I will, because I've had a total of seven death threats. 
Seven. Seven. Which uh, I've reported to Twitter. They have also gone to the police. Because that oh. that is what's worrying about this whole thing. Because what came from this was the amount of people that came forward and said, I've had death threats. Yeah, and disturbing. it was a lot. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this is, look, you can have an opinion, but threatening sure. someone's life. And, you know, all jokes aside, you know, I did bait them and I will take the, I will take the repercussions of the bait. It's fine. I'm not asked, but it's just, and it, they miss a, they miss a huge point. <laughs> the reason why we always talk about Jensen and him outscoring Lewis is because of the achievement that it is. Right. You know, totally. Jensen is consistently compared to Lewis all the time because he's British. They're both British. And for him to stand there and go, I scored more points, it's a huge achievement. The it same is. way as George Russell last year coming into Mercedes, beating Lewis on mm. points is huge. And it's because it's Lewis Hamilton. And instead right. of taking yeah. it as a compliment, they take it as a massive insult. You cannot like any other driver than Lewis. You, he, can, he always wins. I, I did a bot response to everyone, which is that Lewis is the greatest driver, and I'm so sorry that I ever doubted and whatever. I can't remember where for where. I just literally, every single person in comment, I just put this bot tweet out because um, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this situation now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm now, do I even dare speak about Lewis Hamilton? Oh, they'll be tracking you now. I know. They'll be tracking you now. They get their pitchforks sharpened, ready for next week. It's been a while, though. Because to be fair, I've been a Lewis fan since 2021 because of how he was treated. I did not like that at all. And I just, I was like, no, you know, yeah, I I have nothing to say about Lewis in any way. I didn't really have much to say about him bad before, other than against Massa. But, you know, I just found this utmost respect for him. But, Apparently, I mean, have I said anything negative about him? Friday, they look terrible, Merck. That's probably the worst thing. And then they just improved. Just randomly, just like, yeah. here's some power. <laughs> yeah, they, they found it. They found yeah. something. You know, they go for the setup and they find a little pocket of performance. Like, right, let's run with it quick before we lose it. Um, And the, it was like that. They... The the potential's in the car, clearly, but you just yeah. they're just trying to find that balance. And it's like we we're going back to this point before about them sort of teetering on two de- design philosophies, right? And they're still trying to understand the one they've currently got, let alone consider whether or not the other one was going to be better. Yeah. And as a result of that, they're spending this time trying to figure out what the right setup is. And usually practice is a case of let's just tailor it and we'll probably find a couple of attempts if we're mm. lucky. But they probably found it over half a second just through Friday to Saturday. So yeah, definitely, it, it's fascinating to see how uh, you know even these sort of minor changes and this little bit of data coming in from the practice sessions can just fundamentally change your weekend with the the right decision. Yeah, and they've needed they needed that, or they could oh, have yeah. probably been behind Ferrari um, quite easily. Nobody wants that. <laughs> no, not at the moment. Good God, no. Not at the moment. Jeez. No thanks. <laughs> they had like um, a bit, I think where that kind of stemmed from from my issue this 
today on the Twitter. They had this instant where they had they, they started Hamilton on hard, which was the wrong decision, and then they pitted uh. and put on the mediums, and he was behind George, who was slower. Like, he was slower. Uh. You could tell that Lewis was lifting and coasting, and I don't think he was saving. I think he was literally being slowed down that much. And they didn't radio through to George to say, look, move out of the way, but they kind of hinted, and George picked up the pace, and then there was, there was no yeah. more to be said of it i mean i would argue that hamilton probably had to save his tires a bit more i know tires were quite good this weekend kind of difficult to see how how tires were this weekend because because they're on the hearts and the mediums they're very close um but yeah i thought i thought it was quite unusual because lewis is favorited and that's that's fine yes, he is. yeah but it's I, I found it quite funny that you know they didn't directly tell George to move out of the way and they just yeah. hinted at him, look, pick up the pace. George did it and managed to keep a gap to Lewis, who was unarguably yeah, the, the faster tyre. Yeah, there was a lot of um, race management going on mm. between between the two. And, you know, at face value, it looked like, oh, Russell's got better pace than Lewis. But this, as you, as you rightly point out, there's there was push and pull from the team like oh we need you mm. to speed up and need therefore russell to speed up and so on and you know they were responding that's the key thing i think they were both responding to that and both delivering what the team were after and yeah. i think that's reassuring for them because they'll get valuable data it's like we tell you to do this this is what we get and it's consistent so yeah. at least we've got some sort of reconciliation there between the driver and, and the team but you know in terms of actual pace it's like you know where are we at it's it's still lagging a bit they're like um, a second behind be Red Bull. I mean, those yeah. overtakes that Big Max margin. did, he oh. just flew by. With the DRS, it was about, was it 17 miles an hour faster in yeah. a straight line with the DRS open? And as Crofty put it, it looks like F1 against F2. Yeah, it did. It really yeah. did. And that's, it, do you know, as a fan of, of Formula One, I want to see the teams battle with each other. I want to see Lewis versus Max again. Of course I do. Hell yeah. Um, and it worries me at just how they're going to make that leap a second. Where are they finding that? It's a big oh, ask, isn't it? It's huge. Big ask. During the season as well. Yeah. And the other question is, is that potential sitting in the other design philosophy they've got sitting on the back burner? Will they ever discover it? Are they ever going to try it? And then obviously they've got a lot of big decisions to make, Mercedes, mm. in terms of where they go from from this position. They've got to basically decide, look, where's the potential in this philosophy? Can we afford to switch it up fundamentally? And, you know, are we going to have enough time to even start knocking on the door? Because last season they were getting there mm. towards the end. They don't want another season where they're catching up towards the end. Yeah. So it's like, we better get a move on now. Red Bull and Aston and Ferrari will also be getting a move on as well. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. The yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The constant race. If you sit still, mm. you're going backwards. Yeah. So you have to move forward to stay where you are. So it's a big ask to make any progress through through the field. So unless they've got something like in the box, um, in their back pocket somewhere, it's going to be a big, big ask. Mm. And they've got a lot of work to do. Definitely. Again. 
definitely. Um, and just um, from our viewers, I, I would just like to say um, a little thing that um, I know all Team Lewis Hamilton fans are not like the fans that I've endured today. But one of the points that I would like to make that if you are receiving any hate like that online and IRL, but talking about online, um, if you are getting death threats, you must report them immediately. It's not acceptable. There's a law against it. You know, we watch a sport that we all in love. We all love. We don't have to have the same opinions and no one has the right to treat you that way. So please do make sure that it is reported. And um, I'm all for Lewis doing well. I hope that Merck can do something, because honestly, I mean, next is Ferrari. And I, I would argue that Ferrari are even further back oh, yeah. than, than Merck right now. You know, Leclerc had a 10-place penalty because of his reliability <laughs> issues. Um, and it is woes, isn't it, for him? It is. Yet again, same thing again, like nearly, <laughs> nearly, but not quite. And the whole debacle with the team again. I mean, I, you know, I was talking about oh, their new strategist, maybe that'll solve things. No. No, no. He wasn't told vital information, was he, at all? During the, the safety car, the clerk That's right. wasn't told to pick up the pace. No, because only they afterwards. pitted. Like, yeah, they pitted, didn't they? They, you know, and it didn't do it. It's like, what? How are you not feeding that information? What are you doing? Are you watching somewhere else? Like, they must be distracted. They must be busy watching, oh. you know, watching the golf or something. I have no idea. Oh. But either way, they're not concentrating on what they should be because they should have seen that. Yeah. Eventually, they did, but it's too late. It's like, yeah, I would would have picked up the pace if you told me, you know? So give me that information beforehand so yeah. I can respond to it. Yeah. Not afterwards when I've got to sit there and look at the rear diffuser of the guy you're telling me to pursue. Too late. It's too late. You know, he's like, you know, the team's like copy. And he's like, yeah, but come on. Yeah. Like, not realise your mistake. Yeah, he was so like, totally. what are you doing? I'm I'm giving everything. He was doing quali laps in the race. Yeah. Like, ugh, it's such a shame for him. You know, I mean, they started him on soft tyres and Pirelli had said that the softs weren't it. Now, it got him no. through the field and I do think that, you know, he probably did need to be on the softer compound because they don't have the pace. But it, it yeah. left him vulnerable. And that's just another thing that Ferrari have done that you think, well, that did not make sense in a lot of ways in the long term to put him on the soft when you'd been directed to not do that. Right. And then, you know, I, I honestly feel like we're going to watch the talent of Leclerc and Sainz be absolutely wasted yep. because of Ferrari's mistakes. Because where do they Definitely. go? You know, where do they go from this point? Mm. They don't, the Ferrari aren't learning. They're not, they need to get rid of that ego. They need to boil it back to basics and really get the key points fixed, working. Them all, them all singing for the same hill, uh, hymn. Like, that, I feel so bad for Charles. Because he could be up there battling with Max. He's got the pace. Definitely. And he needs another drive. 
Yeah, Sorry he was doing that at the beginning of 22 as well, wasn't yeah. he? No, exactly. Yeah, very, very sorry to the fans because, frankly, they're the ones who have to put up with this for year after year yeah. after year of nearly but not quite. Yeah. So, like, so close. We're there, kind of, but not in a really dom- a confident position. We're just sort of knocking on the door. It's always that. It's just like you're right on the edge all the time. And, you know, in the case of Charles, he's the one is on the very knife edge of that. And mm. he's the one that's feeling all that pressure and it's a guy who sets his standards way higher than anyone else on the grid i would argue mm. and that doesn't do his head any good either by the way it's no. not good for his health setting your standards that high because you're leaving yourself very little wiggle room for mistakes uh see france 2022 for more details <laughs> um and he's because of that if the team's not meeting those standards either he will get upset he will be irate with them mm. and you know, any driver would be upset if the car's not performing, but there is no one that wears their heart on their sleeve more than Charles. Yeah. And he will not rest until it's a top, top, top car. So when he comes back the following season after a car that's running near the front to find his fourth best team, it just is not sitting right with him at all. No. no. He's not patient anymore. No. There's no patient Charles Leclerc anymore. I don't blame him one bit. I really don't. And I think if the opportunity was there for him, I know he loves Ferrari. And that's the thing when you become a Ferrari driver, it's a very special thing. I think Mm. everyone gets taken in by the love of Ferrari. You know, many drivers have fallen for it. And in the end, it never works out. I just feel like if, you know, if Red Bull were to go, Charles as much as we don't want to see someone who's on the same level as Max in our team, yeah. it would also be quite good to have... I'm not saying that Sergio couldn't... You know, Sergio proved it this weekend. He was fabulous. But, um, you know, I, if I was Charles, I'd, I'd ditch. I'd dump. I'd go. I'd, even Absolutely. if Aston Martin had a position. Oh, he'd be all over it. I'd go. I'd, I'd just go. It. He's given him, he has given his loyalty to Ferrari. They have given him a sack of shit. <laughs> so they've occasionally they, given him something that he can battle Max with. Yeah, yes, occasionally. they've occasionally had something. So beginning but they of last year, it I think it one. They and they ruin it. it with strategy. Exactly. Yeah. What do they do? Replace the strategist. Same thing, different so day. Not the, exactly it's just, the same. It's Groundhog Day. And it must be driving him into the floor. And they're just beating him down. It's like, no, please be patient, but here's another <laughs> shit race. But please be patient with us. Oh, here's another oh. shit one. But please be patient. It's like, that's enough now. Yeah. Can you just start delivering for me? Because I'm putting in my effort. Can you put in yours? Mm. And this is where that impasse is going to be. And I don't know what's going to go on internally. It could get really messy, frankly. Um, because uh, I mean, Charles always been quite one of those classy characters on the grid, but you can see yeah. that fire coming out now, and it's like there's going to come a point he's just going to get really. He's going to blow. Forget it. I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah he he's going to blow. He will. He's going to blow, and I don't think anyone would judge him or blame him. This is going to be a long one. This. This is going to be a really, really long one. <laughs> uh, speaking of long one, um, Kevin Magnussen scored a point. <laughs> I might have guessed. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That battle between him and Yuki. 
Oh wow, was yeah. Beautiful. When we saw it. You know. Right, yeah, we briefly did. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what anyone I mean, says, that overtake from him. He locked up and he still did it. And all Yuki yeah. Yuki could say was Has! <laughs> Yeah, he didn't do a max and just cut the corner. And just, oh, yeah. forget it, I'm not gonna I missed the corner, forget it. He actually did make the corner. He did. So fair play to actually get yeah. the car stopped just. Because mm. he did lock up, yeah, and then he let off the brake and it was just he just got it. Just got it. So honestly, a really, really good move, to be fair. Yeah, and I think the TV cool. director just picked up on it later on. Like, oh God, just... it's the battle for a point. It's battle for a point. It's not just a battle near the back between, you know, the likes of McLaren and and uh, Williams or whatever. It's not like that. It was like, this is a point. There's a point up for grabs here. We need to watch this. Point. They caught it late, but it was a good battle. Really good battle. Yeah, very good. Um, Hulk out-qualified Kev. They had quite a good qualifying, to be but they seem to have took a little bit of a step up, especially during the race. I don't know if it's because it was a street circuit, maybe, that it's better for their car. I'm not quite sure. I was quite worried about them for this race, but they just seem to have took that step up to put themselves more in the midfield, where I think they were lacking that at Bahrain. Um, so it was good to yeah. see that, that Haas have took that step. Um, for me, I anyway, it's on the Haas one. <laughs> Well, it's good to see that competitiveness through the grid as well, you know, and mm. you've got different midfield teams jumping up the order with each Grand Prix. I don't know whether that means they'll be there or thereabouts at at, um, at Melbourne, but you never know. It's one of those that's quite high power circuit now due to the yeah. changes they made a couple of seasons ago. So, yeah, I mean, look, they, I, they, you've got to capitalise on those times where you've got the car under you, and they definitely did. They do, yeah, definitely. Um. <clears throat> McLaren. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, McLaren had a um, had a really kind of interesting day at the office. Do, do you know what um, my notes are for McLaren? Slow. One. Slow. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar crashed with Gasly, didn't he, at the beginning? It did. Um, they didn't yeah, get into Q two. Did they? They didn't get into Q2. That's the first thing. No. Um, then the right side of his end plate flicked up and hit Lando's car. <laughs> of all the cars. Move all of the it's cars. It's the other McLaren. It's, it, honestly, let's just it's go hysterical. and get that. Honest to God. Lap one. They're both in the garage. Double stacking. I think that's kind of why they were near the back, in all honesty, wasn't it? Because they did have to do a bit of a double stack, but they were slow. Yeah. It's, it looks the a Yashri handful. was mighty. Yeah. Qualifying. Yeah. That P8. Extraordinary. Yeah. You know, he's got to be commended for that, but I know what you did mean. They were slow. I can't remember. You know, I think it was P9, yeah. and then there was penalties, grid penalties. So he ended up right. P8 on the grid, yeah, okay. but he did get Q3, I think. Oh, right. Because he I was P9 was... in qualifying. So actually, yeah, but it was Correction, Lando had a really tough one. Yeah, it was Lando. Lando had a really tough one. Um, so, but uh, you're right, though. Yeah, fine. Mm. The qualif- qualifying pace might have been there. Mm. doesn't matter in the race if your car's too slow. And yeah, yeah, they had those issues at the beginning. But come on, I mean, you know, if the car's there... You should be making more moves, and they were getting stuck in oh battles right at the back of the field. And you think you should be getting this done and moving on. Come on, yeah, 
but it's your car's just not all right. Gonna... Get a move on. No. no, they've got a lot to do. I I still am confused as to how they are and um, where they are. How they're so far back. How they got it so wrong. I don't understand at all. And it, it's it's not great to see. But on a, on the plus side, one of the things that um I did like to see from them was that I know Lando was told to not go too hard on mm. Piastri and you know stepping into the boots of being Lando Norris's teammate when the team is so centered around Lando to see the team actually you know saying look don't be too hard on him let's get let's get some experience under his boots because that's what they were doing let's get him some experience under his boot and he got past um mm-hmm. and they he finished 15 and Lando finished 17. So he ended up skipping um, up to... Who was P14? Have I missed someone? Have I missed it? Oh, Alpha Tauri. Um, yeah. Um. So, you know, I think that was quite good to see. Lando seemed to not have a real problem with that. Oh, we didn't hear that. Um. Because I don't think they were as, quite as nice to Danny. No, not really. No, that... I don't get that, that impression there. I no. think it's the age of the drivers as well, potentially. And the kind of feedback they might be getting from Piastri is a lot more constructive as well. Um, mm. Being a younger driver is a lot more eager and keen and engaged, enthusiastic and so on. Whereas yeah. you've got someone like Daniel who's probably just seeing that car and going, forget it. I'm yeah. not that engaged now, whatever. But someone like Piastri is very hungry to learn and help yeah. the car improve because like i've got a long career ahead of me at this team i need to impress so yeah. working overtime to try and show the team what what he how much he values this opportunity so i think to that to that end he's making a lot of effort to to, to move the team forward as much as possible and he's been delivering you know i have to you know you look at just a yeah. qualifying i know they had a tough start to the race and whether that was anything to do with piastri or not you know but if you look at the pace itself Piastri was really shining um, in that team. And the indication at Bahrain in terms of the radio was that they are putting a lot of emphasis on him. Um, Mm. They're not saying, you're a number two driver, please learn from Lando. He's demonstrating pace. And as a result, they're getting confidence in him. That's really important for the whole team, for the development as well. You know, they're both drivers on side. What does Lando do from this point? If you were Lando what Norris, does... you've you've dedicated mm. time to McLaren. They're going backwards. You are arguably a driver that's quick enough to be battling for world championships. Mercedes come knocking at your door. Red Bull come knocking <laughs> at your door. What do you do? Loyalty or run? You go yeah. quickly. You run. Because you run. if there's a clause in his contract, because he recently had a big contract renewal, Lando, five years, four or five years. And as a result of that, he might feel to some extent that he's tied down. But there's going to be a clause in there somewhere. Of course there will. There'll be a trigger clause. Like in football, there will be a trigger clause in the contract. You spend this much money, you can have me. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So if, as you say, the likes of Mercedes, Ferrari, even Aston come knocking, Mm. he'll jump at it. Yeah, because he has given them a lot 
and they gave him a lot as well to be yeah. fair because um they gave him his first shot yeah of course in formula one as the mm. uh as the test driver reserve development driver whatever you want to call it in fact it was development test driver and then a reserve driver with the team and worked his way up built up experience and then after you know getting through f2 bam you're in right yeah get you in the car full time and that was his way into the sport and i'm sure he's very appreciative of mclaren for that but then he's getting older now getting yeah. wiser getting more more pro and as a result he's going to be thinking about his future a lot more and if that car is not delivering Time futures ago. elsewhere yeah i agree with that yeah. it's a shame because you know mclaren and, and lando it works it does yeah. work in a lot of ways but he's got to think now that you know mm. he he just can't be loyal to them they've got no future plan I, I just don't think they know what to do next race with the car no. so it is scary to think that he's going to sit there for another four years in a car that they are struggling to get out of the back, the backfield. That is just, yeah, I wouldn't like to it's be on Norris right now. Yeah. Not at all. I love his money. I love his money, but I, I wouldn't like to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing to say as well, because they, that's their perspective, isn't it? Because you look at it and they go, they get to drive F1 cars for a living. Yeah. Right. But they also want to compete. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you can go, you know, just appreciate what you've got. But it's also a case of, you know, driving around lap after lap in these you're cars a gets driver. a bit boring after yeah. a while. You are you know? a racing driver. You, yeah. If, you were, if you're right. a racing driver and you don't want to win, there's something wrong. What right. is the point? They are the most competitive yeah. people in the world. Mm. Like, look at Lance Stroll this year, two weeks after he broke his wrist. He was in that car. That is how competitive these drivers are. There's Absolutely. no way that he's just going to, well, you know, all right for another season. I could take a load off today. I'm not that worried, worried about getting any points this race. No. I'm just whatever. taking it easy this time and do get some points next week. Yeah, <laughs> but matter? you're not going to last very long if that's no. your attitude. No. Definitely not. Um, Alpine looked Alpine. much stronger. I am so shocked at them. I thought they were going to be near the back, and they—they have the fifth fastest car. Exactly. They just like crept under the little rug and gone. You know what? We're not bad. <laughs> we're all right. We're not. That's what I was saying. Like the the minor setup changes. If you can nail it, you're going to jump up a few places in the midfield. Mm. At least you're going to jump up a few places. I think yeah. Alpine showed that really well this weekend compared with Bahrain. They yeah. just found a sweet spot and their car suits that track more than Bahrain. I'm not saying it suits Jeddah. It just yeah, suits it, just it more, more than it did at Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a result of that, they just, yeah, they, they were in a really good spot. I've got to yeah, be honest, by nine. their stands, I'd say they would do well. Yeah. Good points. I mean, double points can be really mm-hmm. important for the team. I mean, obviously, they got that really interesting teammate battle going on there as well. Ocon Gasly, a French team. I mean, there's a big, there's a strong power dynamic, I think, between those two, a bit of a power struggle. Mm. So when you've got races like that where they both get points, but Ocon pipping Gasly, you've got to think, oh, what's the attitude like in there, you know? 
Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I love to be a fly what? on the wall and, and speak yes, French. I, I really would. <laughs> what are the private conversations like? You know, where it's like, oh, I can't believe you beat me. I can't believe you beat me. If only I was a bit quicker on that lap. But don't worry about it, Gasly. You'll get him later. It's like, no, I can't. I can't let mm -hmm. it settle. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. what is those conversations like? I'd love to know. Because I yes, they're, they're doing brilliantly. Nice. It's always competition. I think they're close nice to each other. Yeah, I think they are. But behind the backs, so they're like. Right. <laughs> fucking Publicly, they're great. Publicly, oh, they're great. I love Gasly. Gasly's a great addition to our team. Thanks for the chat, Ocon. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Haas teammates. There ain't no way. Like, Kevin's quite laid back, so he'll just go, whatever. Like, I'm not giving you the time no. of day. But Hulk. Nah. No, nah. Not a chance. <laughs> no, not the way he is. It's so funny. Um, not a chance. Alpha Tauri really struggled again. Another team that's kind of gone backwards. I mean, once upon a time, we were looking at Alpha Tauri and McLaren for third and fourth in yeah. the championship. And now, you know, we've got... I mean, Yuki did brilliant against Kevin. Yes, he did. He yes, really did. did. And he was, honestly, Yuki gives his heart and soul. He, he really, mm. really does in a machine that isn't up to standards. But DeFries yep. had a bit of a, I don't know, this weekend he's just sort of been a bit, making a bit too many mistakes. I don't know if I'm expecting. Off the boil. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if, because, just because Nick's got a lot of experience in racing, we forget that he's like 26 or something like that. He's He's been in Formula E. He's done a lot mm. of racing. I know this is his first season in Formula 1. We have to remember he's a rookie. But I just kind of expected him to pick it up and gel with the car a lot quicker yeah. than that sergeant. And do you know what I mean? The other rookies kind of thing. That's right. And now you can spin that one of two ways. Is it the fact that De Vries is not picking up the car? Mm. Picking up that the, the, the performance of the car as quickly as we might have expected? Or is Sonoda just that good? You know? It is I'm not sure. Sonoda. I think it's more the other way. I think it's more that DeVries is not gelling with the car yet, personally. But you never know. If DeVries is really, like, already quite on it, then Sonoda's massively outperforming. Yeah. So I don't think he's on one it. One or the other. I, I, I don't think he's... No. he's He's found that. I think he found it easier with the Williams car. And like I said, the, the Alpha Tauri isn't where they would like it to be. And you can see that there's slight balance issues and, you know, things like that. So I'm not saying it's an easy car and he should just get to it and adapt. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I hope I'm, there have been lots of talk about Nick probably shouldn't have been an F1 and it's a bad idea. I hope it isn't <laughs> going to work out that way. Poor little thing. No, I think he needs a little bit more time. It's only race yeah, two. Of he just needs a little bit longer to build up that confidence again. And just, I think credit needs to go to Sonoda as well because he was under pressure for not staying in F1 either. Yeah. And he's really stepped up. Yeah. You know, I'm glad he's been given that chance because Thank he's God. demonstrating that, yeah, this is yeah. a good call. He's a very yeah. talented driver. The next yeah. Kobayashi, frankly, very, very talented. You know, a very yeah. reliable driver, someone who's. On their day, we'll probably end up getting a podium. It's yeah. just that kind of talent. Yeah, just need a bit longer. Yeah, definitely.
Uh, Williams or oh, Albon had brake issues. They did all right in quali, didn't they? Uh, Sargent did a brilliant lap and then it got removed because of track limits. Which was... And then he just sort of, it unsettled him, didn't it? Mm. Kind of, it just, oh, why did that go right? And then he just ended up having problems. He spun. And then it was mm. just, it was so, it was so sad to see because he's been really good. Um, for rookies, yeah. I think he surprised me a little bit. Um, but it was a shame. He got P16 in the end. Arguably, I think the car could have got more out of it. And it probably would have got a bit more with Albon, but he had brake issues, unfortunately. Yeah. Albon's clear team leader, sadly yeah. reliably getting the worst of him. And I think with Sargent, it's a case of, look, he is a rookie. And you know, there's that rookie mentality there, and any little thing that can go wrong will really affect him. Yeah. You want to be able to shake it off really quick. If you can't shake it off, then well, it's going to plague you, and you won't concentrate. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's one of those. I think it's just going to take a little time for him, really, just to sort of understand how to deal with those little hiccups and get past them and move on. Which yeah. he will. He will. Yeah. Uh, it's just um, which is a shame. But he's got a good uh, teammate in Albon to help sort of guide him along. Definitely, I would say because yeah. Albon's been really performing well, very consistent. It's what you want, reliability. Yeah. What you want of the driver, yes. you could you could use some reliability in the car though. A little bit, yeah, just just, just a, a tidge. And they are quite quick, yeah. to be fair. They have took a step yeah. up, which I'm really glad to see because I've not enjoyed watching William Williams in their decline. It, it has been horrible. Mm. Um, so watch. yeah, uh, last team Alpha. Alpha um, Romeo. Botash just got a point out because Botash was at the back, right? And I didn't yeah. understand why he was there because it hadn't been televised. Have found out now. Um, he ran over Piastri's car part that he had lost on lap one. Oh, and the he M-plate. had yeah. floor damage. Oh, okay. So that's why he was struggling so much. Right. Um, so Not just Lando hit it. Bottas did as well. Bottas right. ran over it. Yeah. So okay. It caused him um, some damage because that, again, wasn't televised. We don't know what he was doing. I was like, why is he running around on softs? What's he doing? But um, no, the, the mullet-tash professor, is. it wasn't his <laughs> fault. It was, you know, he just ran over it. And it was quite a good battle with Joe. Uh, with Joe. Um, mm. You know, in yep. for, he, he got 13th in the end. Those guys were so close together. Like, it was insane. And the McLaren boys were at the back. And arguably, he held his own in a car that I don't think he's quite up to, you know, where he kind of was, the, the pace that he had kind of thing. No. It's not there for him, is it, Alpha? It's a shame. Yeah, there's a trend in this midfield at the moment because it's so close. Any little issue, any little problem, any little uh, setup discrepancy, any little bit of lack of confidence could cost you three or four places. Yeah. It's, there's not a lot of room for error. And I think Alpha are going to have to sort of overcome that with time. Realise, you know, you know, we can't be making too many of these mistakes. We've got to get it nailed. Otherwise, we're costing ourselves opportunity at points. And considering mm. where they were last season as well, they were in the points a fair bit, and there just seems to have been this big mix-up in the midfield. So you've got teams that wouldn't have ordinarily got points, getting them regularly, and teams that were regularly getting points, 
now not really anywhere near it. So it's it's like look, you've got to capitalize. This midfield is so close. If you want mm. one or two points, you've got to be on it. Yeah. Right from the start. Hundred percent. What rating are you giving to this race then? Saudi. Um probably go with a seven to be honest. Mm. It's a seven. Maybe that's a bit ambitious. Might be a bit yeah. generous, actually, the seven. I think it was due to some of the quality overtaken. You got stroll around the outside and um yeah. you know, the the Haas move from from, from Magnuson on Sonoda. Um and various battles going on at the back. I mean, in terms of overtaking, it wasn't like you know, and the, and the run through the field from Max as well. You know, there's things like that. There was there was good action on show. It just wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't mm. classic in any way. But it was still there was still some good moments good. in there. So a generous seven. Yeah, I'll probably give it a six. I mean, six. To be fair, there's more overtaken there than there is at Monaco. Mm. Um. So you know. On that basis, there was some good overtakes. There was some, you know, like you said, good overtakes. But yeah, I'd probably give it about a six. It was, it was all right. It wasn't too bad. It would help if, you know, we didn't have someone running away with it all the time. But that's Formula yeah. One. You know, That'd probably that, help. That's how it. That's how it works. But hey, this time it was Sergio <sighs> running away with it, not Max. Yes, very, very different. Uh, uh, every cloud. That's yeah. A... Chrome blue lining. Um, would you yeah, like, would you like was... to talk about this, the the national anthem? We're very excited about that. I'd love to talk that. about the national anthem. <laughs> yes, we should start with this now. Absolutely. I I hope those that were watching the Grand Prix managed to catch the uh, the national anthem being played um, because I think the band started practicing about ten minutes before. Yeah. Um. That would be putting it generously. <laughs> Absol I think the word is diabolical. Oh my god. Cat was... swinging against walls, you know? It was so out of time. And it was just... just not a fair reflection, frankly. Did they have the earpieces who... in? Because normally like on in that situation you'd have earpieces in so you can hear yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can only assume that's why. But either way, it was absolutely dreadful. A difficult one to listen to. <laughs> like this podcast yes please yeah <laughs> we talk about all the key points oh, on the weekend God. including the quality of the music yes and We've talked uh, about drivers cooking. and teams eating habits yep yeah exactly. it's been fulfilling you know, today top tier top tier the very mention of food has brought luna back into frame she's been um, here so she's literally been she time. sits there honestly she drives me up the wall she puts her hands on the keyboard her hands her paws on the keyboard <laughs> hands uh well we well this is gonna have to be edited down in it this has gone on for a long time we had a lot to talk about actually considering it was only a, a mediocre race um <laughs> yeah, right. blame fa blame those mm. Um, we are back next week yeah. with the, the Australian Grand Prix preview. It will be, yeah. Yeah. yeah back week Australia. Prior. Yes. Love Australia. you just come back from oh, there, I aren't do. you? I have indeed, yeah. It's yeah. very hot. Yes. Very hot. I wonder so. how the cars are going to be under all that heat and... Well, 
I mean, Bahrain, Jeddah will all be a very good indication of how the cars have been coping. In some cases, not too great. Mm-hmm. I can't lie. But, you know, it's a different climate altogether. So I think there'll be a, you know, it's the humidity as well, closeness to the air is going to be a problem in terms of the driver physicality and how the engines stay cool and things like that. Because yeah. Bahrain and Jeddah were night races, so there was cooler it's air coming cooler, through. Yeah. And mm. Melbourne, you got hotter tarmac, you know. So how's that going to affect tyres? And being a street circuit, high tyre wear, etc., the degs uh, could be an issue. So, yeah, I mean, and there's a lot faster corners now. They've changed the track yeah. layout, as we know. So it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, definitely so. So make sure you are subscribed mm-hmm. on YouTube. Follow on all major stru- streaming. Not streaming. Streaming. <laughs> streaming on the brain. Major podcast platforms. There we are. All the PP <laughs> platforms. Um, follow us on all our, all our socials. Make sure to like and leave us a review if you have enjoyed it. If it's bad, if you didn't enjoy it, don't leave us a review. We don't. Yeah, want we to. hate the bad reviews. Don't no, we don't do want to do that. that. It just spoils our day. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't. So just carry on with your life and leave us alone. <laughs> We're open to criticism, but don't give us anything bad. No. All right? No. No, please don't. No. Next week, Kieran's beard will be back. It will. Um, well. I'll also be back. Luna will be back. Without a beard. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so just do a Will story and pull your hair under your chin. Yeah. <laughs> See? Preview of I next week. I might have that beard somewhere when I dressed up as him. There we are. See, you know. full story will be here, ladies and germs. Um, bearded back markers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's enough crazy for today. Uh, thank do. you, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll be back next week. Make sure you are. Otherwise, there's nothing we can do about it. Take care. <laughs> Enjoy your week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.